Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. The podcast is brought to you by the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. I'm Tammy Sims, lead trainer for the Institute and a full-time real estate professional in St. Petersburg, Florida for more than two decades. In this episode, we're going to speak to those of you who are perhaps just starting to work in the luxury marketplace, or if you're looking to increase your market share in a higher price point. First, today's podcast is brought to you in part by Real Marketing, the only marketing firm recommended exclusively by the Institute. Real Marketing utilizes over 25 years of expertise, and their products are built and customized for you to dominate any neighborhood anywhere. Go to realmarketingforyou.com. That's realmarketing, the number four, u.com. Also, look for past A State of Mind episodes with CEO David Collins as our guest. Now, for today's podcast, I am delighted to be here again with my co-host, Jack Miller, who is with Parks Real Estate in the Greater Nashville Market in Middle Tennessee. Jack has specialized in luxury homes and relocation services for almost 25 years. So, Jack, it's great to be back with you. Thank you, Tammy. Good to see you, too. Excellent. So, uh, we were chatting a little bit about today's topic um, and thinking about the idea that some of our listeners out there may be newer to the luxury market. And I know that you are passionate about helping people uh, build their business and succeed. So, let's talk about some strategies for, for breaking in and increasing an agent's price point. So where, where should we start? Where, where do we begin? Well, I think, I think that's a question that pretty much everybody asks themselves when they've got their real estate license, they're getting their feet wet in the industry, and they decide they want to take it to a new place working in the luxury home market. It's a, it's a tough transition to make. Um, and so I know for myself, Tammy, I started at a company, uh, the same company I've been with for 25 years, that wasn't known for luxury real estate. And, um, and so I felt like in some ways early on, we were swimming against the stream, if you will. Um, it's turned out terrifically because over the years, our company has branded and rebranded itself and kind of expanded in the market. We are very much known for the luxury market and have the largest share in the greater Nashville area as far as luxury listings goes. But I think that's where you start. I think you start by asking, are you at the right company and is it the right fit for the luxury brand? Um, where, where did you start? Are you the same company you started with? Well, um, no, I'm, I'm definitely not. And uh, something before I answer you, something that, that really stuck out there for me is that everybody's asking, am I with the right brokerage? Do they have a, a luxury presence? But you are living proof that uh, a, a brokerage, uh, a company can build that brand. Uh, and so it's not the end all be all of, of whether That's they're right. right right in that moment. No, to answer your question, um, I joined my mother's real estate team 21 years ago, and she was with a, uh, a major national brokerage, right, a, a, a franchise and had been, she started with an independent that got bought up by a major brand that sold to another brand that sold to another brand. And then we went with one of the, the, the large national brands that had just opened a new office in, a, in a, a downtown area that was developing. And we just thought it was the right opportunity. And then when we, uh, when we entered the, the decline in 2008 and the business just dried up, you know, cause it happened to us in Florida earlier, 
uh, we went on our own and we used just the the experience to position ourselves with our our repeat customers and referrals. Uh, and then when everything started to pick back up again and there was a, a lot of activity, um, we were purchased by a, a boutique brokerage that has a presence in the, the luxury arena and has uh, an affiliation with one of the international luxury brands. So it was a it was an evolution for us, but uh, but that that presence in the luxury space came from overtime experience and growing with our clients. Um, that pipeline just uh, just just kind of fed itself. So that was a that that was a big thing. And of course, I benefited by joining my mother. Right, so she already had fifteen years under her belt. So um, so that was that was a good thing. But immediately she made me go take classes, right? And I know that that's high on both of our lists. So uh, certainly the Institute's training, whether it's live or live stream, is uh, is a, a fantastic start. What other kind of classes do you think? You think anything even outside of the, the, the real estate specific topic, maybe negotiating or um, public I, I think there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of classes you can take. I think Going back to your class that offered with the Institute, I recommend to all of our colleagues here in our market that they take the class, this class in particular with the Institute, but not only take it, but take it live and in person because nothing's better than sitting in front of Tammy Sams or <laughs> one of your uh, cohorts and learning face-to-face. But the other thing I recommend is traveling to a different market. We've talked about this a little bit before, but if you're learning about the luxury home market and you're taking classes, if you have the opportunity to take luxury classes in another market, particularly a feeder market to where you're located, then you're not only learning about the market, but you're making new contacts and you're making contacts who can perhaps send you referrals in the future and vice versa. And, you know, that makes me think as well, a lot of a lot of times folks think that they're really just competing within their marketplace and they, they're, they're, they're struggling because um, in, in their their local presence, they they don't have those uh, those sales under their belt or the um, uh, the the profile of that. But when you make connections with real estate professionals in other markets, you have the ability to gain their business because of the impression that you've made in a face to face environment. So it's different than kind of competing um, on that on that local level. So that's something I hadn't really thought about before. No, I think it's a wonderful opportunity going to conferences and taking classes in other markets particularly when we're talking about the, you know, uh, related to luxury is a terrific way to network and to hopefully generate some future business. We certainly have. It's helped tremendously. I think the other thing too uh, is, is, is mentoring. But who were your mentors? Now, your mother obviously had to be a mentor for you in real estate, but how would you describe your mentoring experience? Well, interestingly, the most significant mentor that I can think about in the luxury real estate space actually was the, the founder of the Institute. Right, you know, I got Lori when I Lori Lori Morton Worth, that's oh, right, well, yeah. right, and yeah. uh, you know, so she she took us uh, took us in, my mother and I both, and we were the first um, trainers be besides her, and so she just became kind of a, a mentor and a role model that that helped push me in my business in that arena as well. But uh, through the years, it's been uh, gosh, well, Jack, I'm I'm counting you as a mentor uh, uh, these days, and so it doesn't have to be even just when you start. It's like folks that you that you align yourself with along the way, um, but certainly other seasoned professionals within uh, within the industry, and 
and and sometimes outside of the industry, right? Folks that you admire professionally in in other arenas that maybe interact with wealthier individuals. That can be that can be really impactful. Now, I know that you are a mentor to um, a lot of agents in your marketplace. Tell us a little bit about that, about how somebody might find someone like you as well. Well, I, I am, and um, and I enjoy that uh, tremendously. I think I need to start with how I found my own mentors, oh. right? because I've tried to mirror what they did for me, uh, trying to give back. I know early on, my business partner, Robert, and I, we, our first year, two years of real estate, we did really well, but we didn't feel like we were quite in the right fit with our market. And so um, we were looking for mentors. I've mentioned at the onside of this program, we, we've got a tremendous firm, and we we always stayed and aligned ourselves with this firm from the beginning because of its core values. But we really didn't have prominent luxury brokers associated with our firm when we started 25 years ago. So um, we did a few things. So one, you mentioned Laurie Moormore. She, you know, she came into training with our firm early on before uh, that class was uh, recognized nationally, and it was wonderful. And so we reached out to Laurie and asked her for introductions to people in other parts of the country that, that she thought might, that we might benefit from that kind of mutual uh, introduction. And so Robert and I, my business partner, and I talked with other brokers, typically in larger markets, and we would ask them for ideas and whether it be about websites or marketing or branding, all sorts of topics, and try to get just little tidbits from various successful brokers, people who who were essentially potentially mentors for us, but they just weren't here. Ultimately, I mentioned to Robert one day, there's an agent in our marketplace named Rick French. Rick still practices. He has his own brokerage here. Um, he has always had a tremendous presence in the luxury home market and did when I started 25 years ago. And I basically said to Robert, I want to be Rick French when I grow up. So Robert said, you should call him. I said, I don't know Rick. I said, he said, call him anyway. I said, okay. So I called Rick. I told him, I just said, I said, Rick, I want to be you when I grow up. You don't know me. I said, but I love the way that you market and brand yourself. I love the book of business that you have. I don't want to compete with you, but I would like to learn from you. Because really, he was a different geographical part of the market. Um, and so Rick agreed to meet me for lunch one day. I took him to lunch and um, and and kind of just share with him what my vision was, what I'd like to do. And he shared all sorts of things about how to get started in the marketplace. And so I followed his lead. And to this day, I consider Rick my mentor. He's not even with our firm. But to this day, if I have issues or problems... I'll call Rick and talk with him about it. Um, and sometimes it's just, you know, having gripe sessions. And he'll do the same. He'll call me and do the same thing, uh, just just kind of randomly. And it's a terrific way. That relationship uh, through the years has been very fruitful because not only have I learned so much from him, he's also referred quite a bit of business to me through the years. And so to answer your question, it was a long-winded explanation. I'm apologize. <laughs> but it's, 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 I think you need to understand the foundation. I've tried to do that with agents who are new and newer um, in our industry since then. So um, primarily agents who are with our firm, um, there's been probably a half a dozen to a dozen agents through the years I've mentored, and a number of whom I continue to mentor and try to provide that same sort of guidance to, and uh, not just specifically a luxury, but just kind of you know your whole business model and, and how your weekly processes go and, and just trying to help them get build their business. Yeah, and I think about it. I, you know, I know in our in our notes together, we're going to talk about um, shadowing other uh, successful agents if they're open to that, or uh, helping with their open houses. And 
And I, I, I probably am going to get in huge trouble for not answering your initial question about my mentor with my mother. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. And, you know, so I learned in her footsteps and her shadow. Not everybody has a built in, you know, multi-generational um, safety zone there that, right. that that can walk with that. But That's surely right. it was watching her work. It was um, doing some of the grunt work. It was interfacing with clients and it was it was really being as helpful as I could to her that allowed me to to build the skills. And I know um, a lot of folks will do well if open houses are prevalent in the price point and the geographic area um, where, where they're working, if they can get permission to, to sit in open house. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And and that's not going to that's not going to work for everybody. But being positioned, interacting with the people who are there, um, you know, feeling the house and 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 I can't stress enough about how important it is to to tour everything you can go to open houses yourself, go to brokers events, go to showcase of homes, all those things. The more that you are inside luxury properties that that just adds right up and scouring the MLS. Um, but understanding those finishes and amenities comes into play as well. So what do you think are some good ways for agents to learn more about um, and appliances, decor, um, uh, construction materials, things like that? I think you have to immerse yourself in it. And this is one of the pieces of advice I remember from Laurie Moormore in her session. I can't remember a lot about what we talked about, but one thing I remember her saying specifically gosh, 20-something years ago, that's how much it stuck with me, mm -hmm. was that you don't have to live the luxury lifestyle to sell the luxury lifestyle. And she could not have been more right about that. So to answer your question, if you're, you know, I have some colleagues who kind of, they, they grew up in that, that life. They grew up going to the country club and yacht clubs and traveling exotic trips, whatever. Um, that's wonderful. And they're, they're kind of came in pre-networked, if you will. But you don't have to be. And so I think if that's not your situation, that wasn't ours certainly, then we immersed ourselves in luxury by the media. So I looked at magazines, websites, interior design, landscaping, architecture, all these things that are critical pieces in the luxury market that perhaps aren't as big of a deal in entry home, entry level homes, for example. So, you know, when you're looking at luxury homes, you need to understand the the fine uh, tuned differences when it comes to brands and the in the components of the homes, understanding it, and I always say walk the walk and talk the talk. You know, uh, you need to understand. I remember, I remember one time I may have mentioned this previously when I was. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Well, I know, I know what you think I'm gonna say. Uh -oh. Now it, it leads to that too. What what I was gonna say was I remember specifically having clients being critical years ago of a home. It was a luxury home. They themselves were making that transition into a higher echelon, if you will, looking at properties. And they commented, I can't believe the appliance package doesn't match. And that's a very common formula in entry-level, mid-level homes. Everything's the same brand, and it's a meat and potatoes brand. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. But when you get into the luxury brand, as you well know, Laurie, or Laurie, Tam, <laughs> as you well know, Tam, he has a 40 to slip and a compliment, right? Oh, it sure is. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so as you well know, Tammy, when you get to the luxury home market, you know, appliances aren't brought together because they match. They're brought together because they complement each other the best. And they're the highest quality for the highest quality. The job at hand. 
Yeah, so you see a wolf range, a sub-zero fridge, a Viking, what a Viking hood, or whatever the combination might be. But that was new to them. Now you were laughing because you're talking about the red knobs, right? I was, I, 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 and it sticks with me. I have used that in that uh, in my classes <laughs> since I heard you say that. Uh, and so uh, just to to fill in any listeners that that maybe didn't um, hear that on a previous episode, uh, there was an agent who who showed her inexperience because she remarked on how clever it was that the that the sellers in this home had replaced the knobs on their uh on their wolf range with red ones and she loved so, the red knobs right she loved the red knobs and uh did not realize that that is a signature uh visual of the 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 wolf line right, of yeah. products so. and to your and to your point that that's why it's so important if you're trying to break into that market going to broker opens um, and seeing home after home after home, you start to recognize certain trick trends. First of all, what are some of the architectural design trends? But you also start recognizing those brands that are so common and so important to understand in the luxury home market. doesn't mean you have to have a wolf range in your home. No one's going to ask you specifically, is this the same range you have? But you need to understand the wolf and the Sub-Zero and the Vikings and the Fisher and Pico and the various things you might see in the luxury home market. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be able to share and talk about these with your clients as if it's second nature to you, whether you live that lifestyle or not. Mm-hmm. So the other part of it too, I think when you go to broker opens, um, I love this, even if you don't have that client base and you may not have a buyer at all for that home, you're also meeting your colleagues in the industry who specialize in that segment of the market. And so you're starting to become known to them in the marketplace. And if you start doing open houses, as you mentioned earlier, if you do open houses week after week after week, and you're focusing on luxury inventory, by, by default, you're starting to associate or be associated with the luxury brand because there you are at open house week after week after week. So you're absolutely right. You're immersing yourself in the in the luxury world, um, even if you aren't living it in your personal home. Yeah. Now, I want to go back. Um, you were talking about learning, right? So reading magazines, all that sort of thing. One thing that I like to point out to people is that they should step out of their comfort zone in terms of style, right? Now, every geographical area has a a prevalent style, but in where I am in Florida, we've got all sorts of things going on. And I think in a lot of markets, there's more contemporary and modern construction coming in that's even in more traditional neighborhoods. And personally, that's not my style. But I have a lot of clients who are interested, so I push the envelope, and um, and and I read publications. Like my favorite one to recommend is called Dwell Magazine. Well, yeah, I subscribe to Dwell because it's so easy to consume, and it helps me understand what I need to know for my clients that like that type of uh, design and style. And I know when we did the episode on design trends and that sort of thing, you sent me articles from so many different publications and, um, easings and all that. What are just a couple of your, your favorites, right? Like the ones that, that you go to first to, to stay on top of design trends. Well, a lot of them are, 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 you know, the, the, the usual suspects like architectural digest, and you mentioned Dwell, for example. Those are great publications. We've got local publications, and most middle and larger markets do, that specialize in luxury lifestyle. And they're terrific. They're p- particularly good because they're not only talking about the luxury lifestyle, but they're speaking to your particular market. So you see not just what's happening in terms of trends and design, but you're seeing the names of builders and architects and the buzzword, the names you ought to know for your market. 
And so I think from media standpoint, yeah, there's other w- websites too. The uh, Howls, which is an app, one of my favorite apps, mm-hmm. H-O-U-Z-Z, is a terrific app because it, you can pull up uh, photography uh, images by rooms. So you can say, show me uh, luxury great rooms, show me outdoor living spaces, show me pools and hot tubs or whatever. And you can pull up hundreds of images from you know, luxury properties from various markets for ideas, but also helping you understand what these things look like. Um, but I think it's so important that you understand all this because you need to understand the benefits of a saltwater pool versus a chlorine pool. Mm-hmm. And what are the cost differences in your market? Who are the pool builders? And um, when it comes to the names of the who's, those are the people who are local. And so you won't really get those from reading Architectural Digest, right. for example, or the Rob Award or whatever, you know, but you will get those names if you look at your local publications. You'll start to get familiar with who those builders are. And I think, again, doing the broker opens like you talked about, visiting and also hosting, uh, look, like new construction is a great way to learn the luxury home market because a lot of sellers in the luxury home market are very private and they don't want open houses or they're concerned about safety or security, what whatnot. But new construction is a great way because these homes are empty. There's no furniture, no valuables. And so it's a great way to start to develop your skill sets, hosting and talking about the things that are associated with that home. That's a great idea. And so it's a perfect segue as we're talking about surrounding yourself, um, being visible in your local market with the, 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 the folks that are interacting with, with the folks that you want to work with. So let's talk about some of the other types of networking that you should be doing in your marketplace that can generate not only business, but but referrals. Like I'm thinking anybody in the financial services world, uh, private bankers, financial advisors, CPAs, those sorts of things. Um, can you think of any other, any other types of individuals that would be great connections in that arena? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have kids, for example, if your kids are going to getting instruction in swimming, pool instructors, tennis instructors, any type of special horseback riding, you know, anything is getting uh, private instruction. Those people are meeting lots of people who are your potential clients. Um, if you hire a professional landscaper, that person has a lot of clients who you might want to know. And so having good relationships, I, that's one of the things too I'll say is that I've always tried my, in my business and personal life to treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter if it's the guy on the lawn crew who shows up in my house every week, um, the guy who's doing the plumbing work for me, the folks doing interior design, it, uh, it, whatever level they are, whatever station life, I treat, I treat them all the same. The thing that I've come to realize is a lot of the people who are doing you know, the, uh, the toughest jobs around your home are very well networked because if they're really good at what they do, they're working for people who love them the way you love them, and they're happy to make introductions painters have introduced me to some of those wonderful clients and vice versa you know so everybody's an opportunity for networking i think you're absolutely right and um getting involved in your community also is something i probably absolutely. get 40 percent of my new business uh comes from from my community involvement and for me that's uh, merchants associations uh i'm active in my business women's group the chamber of commerce uh, I know a lot of folks do like Rotary or Civitan or Exchange. Um, do you participate in any of those kinds of uh, community things, or is it more of a grassroots thing? Uh, all of the above. I mean, through the <laughs> years, I've done various. Serious, I've done various things. 
Um, I was the first president for the Make-A-Wish chapter in our market and actually brought our CEO on the board for Make-A-Wish. We brought Make-A-Wish here. We had a grassroots organization that preceded Make-A-Wish. Same basic kind of mission. But that board, putting that board together and through the years, that was a terrific networking opportunity. But I wasn't involved with Make-A-Wish because I thought, just like the same as you, not say that you don't get involved with community activities because solely it's a way to network. It's a byproduct. You yes. do things you're passionate about. So when I worked for Make-A-Wish, it wasn't because, oh, let's do Make-A-Wish. It's going to benefit my real estate career. It was, let's do Make-A-Wish because it's a wonderful organization that speaks to my personal passions. So I would encourage our listeners, what are you passionate about? We tell you, we know what you're passionate about. Do the things you're passionate about and find a way to plug into the, the philanthropic aspect of it. And you don't ever have to go to, into the organization and say, oh, by the way, I'm a real estate broker with such and such firm or I'm an agent with such, such and such firm. You never have to do that. Just go into that organization and perform and do your best and your best work for something you're passionate about. Because at some point in time, and it's going to happen a lot, somebody's going to say, so what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. And you don't say, all you have to do is say real estate opens the door. They're going to ask you a hundred questions. Everybody likes to talk about real estate. Um, so you don't have to pitch yourself at all. Just be there, be present and be authentic. Yeah. And I think in the, from the, the civic organizations and things that can help you make connections with, with the professional folks, like I was talking about CPAs and wealth advisors and that sort of thing. I actually had an experience today where somebody that I interacted with, she represents um, uh, a, a major international developer and they're doing some work in my area and they're very interested in um, social equity and uh, providing opportunities to connect hiring and home ownership in their rental rental properties. So I asked her to lunch, right? And this is like sticking your neck out like you did with your, who right. turned out to be your mentor. Don't be afraid to say, hey, can we get together for lunch? No agenda, no, no nothing like that. So this is uh, this is the third time that uh, that we've gotten together. No agenda at all. And she came to the table and she said, Tammy, there's a couple things that I want to talk to you about uh, specifically. Number one, can you connect me with somebody who can provide some financial literacy classes to the residents that that they're trying to lift up? Said, Absolutely. Here you go. And uh, and she said, and then I want to talk to you because I'm ready to buy a house. And I'd like you to be my real estate professional. And I was like, huh, isn't that interesting how that how that just happens, right? If you're if you're not trying hard to be salesy or pitchy, or whatever, it's organic. It's exactly it right. is. And if they come to respect you for how you how you behave in other settings, then it's a it's a great way to to build relationships and business and referrals. So so let's think about the um the fake it till you make it part, right? That's my favorite part. So, so I know it. I know it. And so so you made some notes for me about um, the importance of um, create a luxury brand, right? Like put yourself out there with this with, with with this persona and that sort of thing to to put yourself in that space. So um, tell me more about what you mean. So there's a few things. So first of all, when you are communicating your message in branding, it's really important to stay on point. It has to be a very clear message. And does it, whether you're talking about luxury or new construction or entry level first time home buyers, there's this, there's a myriad of topics in our industry. There's 
you know, endless supply of topics. It's very important, I think, that we brand ourselves because if you don't create a brand that gives somebody a compelling reason to call you and say, oh, that's the person I need, why should they call you rather than one of the other, in my case, 15,000 agents in our marketplace? There's so many choices. You have to give them a compelling reason. Now, one of the challenges I think that we have as newer agents or agents trying to make that transition to the luxury home market, how do you create a brand and how do you create a luxury image if you haven't sold any high-end properties? Now, I'm going to tell you a secret that we did. Uh, this was not recommended to us. It was something we just tried, and it was the best thing we ever did to make that leap into, luxury, into the luxury home market. And that is, at the time, again, 25 years ago, websites were in their emphasis infancy so that wasn't really the main media message it was all about print publication so uh, robert and i established a budget here's what we can afford to do and again early in your career you may not have deep pockets we didn't but we did all we could we established our budget we said you know what this is the most popular magazine for print publication uh for homes in our market let's get the inside you know double page spread every month and we're going to fill it up with listings from our company that are the types of listings we'd like to have when we become successful in the luxury home market. Okay. So they weren't my listings. They were the broker's listings. Okay. But that's the way it works. They're never Tammy's listings or Jack's listings. Right. It's the brokerage's listings. So I would reach out to other agents at our company. And there was, and as I said early on, we didn't really have any prominent luxury brokers, but I'd reach out to the ones that would have a luxury listing from time to time and say, hey, can I help promote your listing through our ads and ho hopefully pick up a buyer for you and I'll do my very best to pitch it and I'll promote it and you can look at the ad copy? And the answer was always yes. And so we would do these ads and put all these wonderful luxury listings in there with our headshots and we'd make sure it was a polished ad. It was clean and a simple message. It was luxury month after month after month. And guess what, Tammy? After six months, the ads you saw in that magazine were no longer the, the, the that's right, the, the uh, listings. They were no longer the other agents' listings. Thing they were ours. They were ours. And so what would happen is we start, over the course of months, we would start plugging in our listings that we were getting because they, they, it did, excuse me, it did double duty. It wasn't just the message we were sending out into the marketplace, but it gave me physical materials to take to my listing appointments and I could lay these ads down on the table and say, this is the way we market our properties. And so we were talking the talk and walking the walk. Those weren't my listings, but it was completely authentic because I was telling them, when I list your property, it's going to be in this ad, it's going to look like this, professional photography, yada, yada, yada. And that's exactly what we did. It was the way we launched ourselves, one of the big ways we launched ourselves, the luxury home market. And another thing that you and I both feel um, feel strongly about is is not to dilute the messaging, right? Right. And agents struggle with this all the time. They say, sure. "Gosh, but but you know, I need that bread and butter." Um, and 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 so if I focus exclusively on this this luxury persona, I'm going to miss out the people that that don't think I can help them. And and I believe that it's about being uh, classy and professional, which is not off-putting, as opposed right. to being snobbish. Sure, which course. which is, and you know, having branding and messaging that makes it clear that you are better than uh, than the average agent. That you 
you provide professional expertise, but you give yourself permission to 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 be consistent in that branding as opposed to you know having some of each and and I know that this such a difficult conversation and uh, and and you know maybe that's a whole topic for another day of how you balance two different uh, books of business. But no, no, I think uh, it's just I think it's a great topic and you write a lot to it. But here's the thing, just like just today for example, okay, my average price point, my average listing is probably a million eight. Okay, for the national market for luxury home listing, that's my average. I went on a listing appointment today for a home. It was three. It was a condo for three hundred and twenty thousand. So it's not to say you can't do other business. It's about branding. Okay. Now, what was the reason I went to do a listing appointment for three hundred twenty thousand dollar condo? Because it was the family member of one of my luxury clients. So I want to make sure I take great care of my clients and their families and their friends, regardless. But here's what I won't do. We have a publication here locally called Lux- Luxury Homes Magazine. It's an oversized publication, color, really expensive. You know, the paper, the look, the feel. It's a beautiful publication. It's mailed to all the high-end zip codes in our market, you know, higher-end real estate. So I'm not going to put a $300,000 condo in yeah. a magazine because it dilutes the message. I'm going to market the heck out of that condo and make sure that the right audience sees it and gets it. But I'm not going to put it in that publication because that dilutes the message. So it's about the branding. So you think about each piece that you put out. Who is your audience? Who are you speaking to? But you don't mix the message. Does that make sense? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So uh, I think we should we should explore that as a, 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 a deeper topic one sure. day, though, because it a lot of agents get really hung up on it. But you know, you said something a second ago as we as we wind up our time. It was about always saying 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 yes, right? Like um, when you asked those other agents if you could promote their property, and they said yes, right? They all said yes. Sure. I want all of the 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 real estate professionals who are listening to this to put themselves in the mindset when somebody asks for your help, when somebody is um, is is looking to grow, let the answer always be yes, right? Well, I love that, Tammy. I, I do. I love that. That's the way we should be. Listen, there is enough business for all of us. You know, we come at this from the opportunity of abundance, you know, position of abundance. There's plenty of business for everybody. We don't have to have it all. And the, I mean, I'm, I'm in an office, but there's probably 150 or more agents just in my office. I'm in a company that has 1,500 agents just in my company in the greater natural area. Which So do I feel like I'm competing with all the agents here? No. And the funny thing is, I hardly ever find myself in a position competing with other agent from my own company, yet we're the largest company in our market. So I never think about it from the standpoint of competing with everybody. I think about it from the standpoint of being the best I can be to get the opportunity. And I think that's the way we all need to look at it. And that includes the mentoring piece. I love sharing. I do that a lot here at Parks. Well, I am hopeful that... Uh... Those of you out there listening have uh, have enjoyed this uh, this conversation about a topic that's passionate uh, for both of us. But I hope that for those of you who are newer to the the business, that you have walked away from this podcast with a little bit of confidence, some ideas, um, uh, and that you think that you can do it. Because I think it goes back to that old adage: things you can or things you can't. Either way, you're right. And so. 
I'm going to wrap up our podcast today thanking Jack again for spending time with me. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute, you can find out more at luxuryhomemarketing.com. And if you like what you just heard, please share it with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks so much for listening.